Hello, I'm Dave Brisky, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Brisky Business. Really excited to have everyone join me today. I really appreciate you taking a uh, uh, part of your day and spending it with me and, and, and some of our guests. And we've got a wonderful guest uh, this morning to bring to you and, and he's going to help fill you with uh, really interesting tips and tidbits and mentorship that I know you're going to enjoy. I appreciate the emails to briskybusiness at entvusa.com. Keep writing me. We'll keep styling the program uh, to those topics you really want to hear. Uh, you know, I get asked a lot of different questions and uh, those questions coming from you, I appreciate and I am implementing your questions, your thoughts into the program. This is your show. Go back and take a look at previous episodes on the NTV USA app. They all live there and uh, you can go back and look at them and share them and uh, I really appreciate that. As you know, and we do it each week, the show is broken down into four basic segments, the brisk business basics, brisk buy and bail, brisk bulls and bears, and brisk best and brightest, which is where we really dig in a little deeper into mentorship. So let's get started on today's program. I've got a wonderful guest, 37-year career in media with a professional background that includes key positions in entertainment media, including ad agencies, cinema, and publishing. Uh, he was the marketing director of Gourmet, which is part of Condé Nast. He's the publisher of Men's Journal, which is part of Winter Media, founded by Jan Winter, the founder of Rolling Stone magazine. And after 10 years in publishing, uh, he, uh, he started another business and he got involved with a company uh, with a few partners that helped create the largest cinema advertising company in the world, NCMI. That's their ticker symbol, company NCMI. He took it public in 2007, or they did, the group, and NCMI was built on the back of the three largest theater companies in the United States, that being AMC, Cinemark, and Regal. Uh, he then pivoted and started KPI, Cupec and Partners Incorporated, which is a media matchmaking company bringing top brands together with emerging, unique, and creative media opportunities. I love the concept here, and this guy can really do it. Help me uh, welcome the founder and CEO of KPI, Dave Kupek. Dave, welcome to the program. How are you doing, my friend? Terrific, Brisky. It's great to be here today talking with you. Yeah, this is great. Um, I really appreciate you jumping on the program, and it's always good to catch up. I, I love uh, what's right over your shoulder there, man. I mean, that is one of the coolest pieces of art I've ever seen. <laughs> what's going on behind you? Uh, quick story. My mother used to do something called brass rubbings which is where you go to an ancient church, usually in Britain. You lay down a piece of paper, and you take in, uh, a gold uh, uh, crayon of sorts, wax crayon, and you, and you, sculpt, over, you sculpt over the, um, the crypts where people are buried. And that's what you get at the end. God, super cool, and what a, <laughs> what a great gift. That, that's awesome. Uh, I'm glad I asked. This is really neat. I'll have to check that out next time I'm uh, up to your place. <laughs> okay, bud, so listen, let's take a deep breath. We're going to grab a cup of our favorite coffee, and uh, let's get started with this program. The uh, first section, the first segment is Brisk Business Basics, and let's just go way back. I, you have a really interesting story, I think, that's useful for our listeners in that your schooling, the way you actually, so this is pre the career, the way you picked your school definitely set you up for your career because you had an idea on uh, what you wanted to do with your life. Why don't you talk about that? Because we don't uh, necessarily get that far back and some of our younger listeners, I think, will find it very interesting. Yeah, I appreciate that, Bruce. Um, 
you know, when you're uh, putting together a school choice today, you know, as you've done with your daughters and we did with ours, it's very different. Everybody's got 10 to 15 schools, tons of research. Back then, you know, we might have had four or five uh, tops, and they were based on very, very um, shallow uh, ideas of what we wanted to do. So I was thinking it'd be fun to go to Florida and be on the beach and learn how to surf. Um, but I knew that if I wanted to go into uh, any form of broadcasting or journalism or communications, which was kind of my passion, to leave New York, to not be in the center of where all that business takes place would be foolish. So even at 17, even when we're not making a lot of rational decisions as, as kids, uh, I knew then that to escape just for fun or to be planted in the center of where the activity and the jobs and the opportunities would be, uh, it was it was a no-brainer to, uh, to choose Fordham in the Bronx, which was in the epicenter. It is the epicenter, obviously, being in the city. And I know you uh, you used some of that experience and how that actually kind of catapulted your career, which we'll get for it through in a minute. But did you have similar discussions? You have three amazing daughters. I've had the pleasure of watching them grow up, um, Giovanna, Olivia, and Lucia. Did you uh, instill some of that ad advice onto them? Um, uh, some, some of it. But, you know, as I mentioned, things have changed so much that I think that now – uh, there's less of a concern of exactly where you have to go for your undergraduate. It's, it's a little bit more about broadening your, your opportunities and your experiences. Don't be so focused on broadcasting or journalism. Think about all the things. Think about a liberal arts school that would give you a lot of different exposure. So I think we're very strongly encouraging them to keep the, uh, the, the aperture wide open. Just choose some of the best schools you can get into with the grades you have so that you'll, you'll elevate your game in terms of the professors and the students. That makes, around you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, let's talk about how you got started, though. You, you're in Fordham in your final you know, semester or whatever. How did you launch into this career in, in media entertainment? Well, first, first part of the, uh, the conversation we're just having came true. Being in New York, I had exposure to great internships. So I had a, a great PR internship at a major New York City hospital, uh, a PR uh, in, uh, an internship at a major New York ad agency, and that experience accomplished two things. It gave me a sense of what I liked and didn't like about the different places or that type of career. But most importantly, when I graduated, the internship I had the last semester senior year said, we like the work you're doing. You seem to be working hard and, and picking it up fast. And would you, would you like a full-time gig? And that was truly the, the start of my career. I, I did not job hunt after college. I literally went from my internship right to a full-time gig at the same place. So that was a uh, paid or unpaid internship? Oh, unpaid. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, in that, you're in that position, that rare position in your life, where all you're thinking about is get as much experience as you can. Now, now, like you, you and I both worked to pay our way through college, so it wasn't as though it was just uh, cash was, was on hand. You, you had to do that to make sure you could pay the tuition bills, but you took every opportunity you could to learn from somebody really smart uh, in, those, in those pivotal years. But I think there is a bit lesson even today uh, to be able to do that. I think you got to get on that path one way or the other, especially in these maybe difficult job hunting times, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we still have. The, the company recently left that I was at for 18 years. We uh, had a very robust internship program um, that uh, another person and I put together. And it's, um, it's great to see that so many years later there are 20-year-olds who are just eager to get in and learn it. And they don't care if it pays, what it pays. They just want to go in. And they want to start to open up the doors to how do I build a career. 
big, big time advice, especially in, in these times, I think even more so. So I know you have what I would call a business uh, building success formula, and I found that really interesting. We were kind of drawn about that off mic. Tell me about uh, what yours is. Yeah. It's, uh, risk gets interesting. The first half of my career was at ad agencies where I was working at the advertising agency, but servicing our clients, our various clients, from, from Miller Beer to whomever else. The second part of my career was on the sales side, where I was trying to pitch things to clients. And the thing I found, though it wasn't part of a mantra that I had going in at 21, uh, the thing I found over the last 37 years is that the three words that keep coming up that have been, I think, the key to developing long-term relationships, trust, first and foremost. Uh, the second is, is an interesting one, continuity. My best relationships are because these are people that I've worked with and been directly involved in their business. Even if I had a big team under me, directly involved in their business for years and years. And then the third is innovation. Uh, it didn't matter whether you're an agency person, they wanted a new media idea. If you're a salesperson, they want what's, what's something new to do in cinema advertising that nobody's ever done before. If you can keep those three things, at least for me, you can keep those three things top of mind, uh, you develop some remarkable relationships. And you've actually worked with some amazing companies. I know you don't like to, to brag too much, and you're really a modest guy. I mean, let's face it. But why don't you just throw out some of the names that you've actually you know, worked with as clients? It, it crosses every single uh, major category. I would say in, in the last 10 years, for example, uh, the telcos were tremendous partners that, that we were able to grow into big cinema partners, certainly the T-Mobile, Sprint, AT&T, and Verizons of the world. The automotive market has always been one of my favorites. I love getting into Detroit and into Southern California, where a lot of the imports are, and digging deep, cool programs to build with those guys. Uh, armed services, big, big players uh, in uh, the advertising space. It cuts across everything. Retail, QSR, casual dining, you name it. How big, uh, at NCMI, how big was your team for sales? Uh, the overall team was about 185 people because uh, that was broken into a very robust local team that was literally in the market selling a couple theaters in their neighborhood, a regional team that sold multi-DMA buys, and then the national team, which is, of course, the one that generates the most revenue with the smallest amount of people, and we love that scale. Yeah, I want to talk to you about your new business, uh, KPI, and we've got about a minute. Talk to me about KPI, just to tease. What is KPI all about? What's, what's it going to do for people? Yeah, you said it, Brisk. It starts with the concept of media matchmaking. How do you take clients that are that trust you? How do you act as the middleman? Take a client that trusts you and says, I'm struggling to figure out what to do in, in the music area to build programs or, or in the esports area. And how do you bring the best experts in those areas and connect them? And that's why, that's why I call it media matchmaking, because clearly what I'm going to do is leverage 37 years of relationships on client and agency side with a whole bunch of experts in different categories who have really a cutting edge stuff that they're doing right now in these categories and introduce them to each other and in some cases take the project all the way to fruition. Yeah, we're really lucky to have him. So it's great to, uh, to be involved and be able to watch people be successful. And uh, I'm going to embarrass Dave a little bit. I'm going to start referring to him. And I never would have thought this 18 years ago, but Dave Kupek, the media mogul. <laughs>
<laughs> so, I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. So let's get started. Uh, this is about the decision-making process, obviously, buy or bail, you know, what we do to go through it. Let's go through yours. You've had some really interesting decisions you had to make through your business career. Um, let's go through that process. And, you know, let's start with how you got involved with such a really a, 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 an esteemed uh, company like Gourmet and Men's Journal. Talk about how you got involved with that and what was the decision process to join those fine uh, institutions? Yeah, we'll do. Brisk, you used a great word before called pivot, and, um, and that's such a critical thing to, uh, to have the, um, the good fortune to have some opportunities uh, become available, but to also have a sense of what you're looking for down the road to know when to pivot. And clearly when I was on the ad agency side of the business after 10 years, there were a lot of growth opportunities there. There was an opportunity to be a media director at a, at a mid-sized agency in New York, all things I kind of dreamed about when I started my career there. And then as I got to know a lot of people at the Condé Nast Company and the people at Gourmet, and I knew that they were looking for somebody with my type of experience to, to overhaul their marketing department, there was something that was so powerful about that magazine, about the loyalty that, uh, that it, it, it owned with its readers and the quality of the publication. And I said, this is a good time to pivot and see what the publishing world is all about. So that was that was instrumental, and that led to a 10-year run on the publishing side uh, at a couple of uh, really just tremendous magazines. Yeah, I mean, those are really, really big brands, obviously, and I'm sure you learned a lot. One of the things I really admire about your career is you, you, you didn't pivot. A lot of people pivot like on a downward slide. It seems your entire career, things were, you know, the wind was at your back. Things were really, really climbing. It takes a lot more courage to make a move and pivot uh, in those circumstances. It's a little bit easier when the, sick, the uh, ship's sinking. That certainly hasn't been the case with you, has it? No, no, it hasn't been the case. Um, I, I will say that there has been some good fortune that some of the businesses that I've left, at, at the time I left publishing, uh, uh, I thought, and many people thought that might be a crazy thing to do, but I saw something else that really seemed like it could grow and expand to become a tremendous company, which we're fortunate that it did. So, no, it, it, was, uh, it was never about running away from a bad business. Um, it's interesting, Brisky, and even today, the, the business that I, that I left, the movie theater business, certainly has uh, hit the toughest time uh, in its 100-year uh, history with the theaters being closed for so long. Um, and uh, I know a couple of people have asked me, you know, so would that have something to do with you leaving? And my, uh, my retirement from NCM was full negotiated back in January. Uh, it's supposed to be July 1st. So COVID hit afterwards, and, uh, and what we did instead uh, is I sat down with our board and said, I can't leave on July 1st. We're in the middle of a crisis. And, and that's, that's the wrong time to leave. You get, that's when you have to have continuity, as we talked about earlier. So, uh, so we stuck around. I stuck around for another three months just to get the ship back back on on track. You know, to get the yeah, and, back on track. and that's kind of what I'm saying. And I'm glad you mentioned that because you pivoted into NCMI publishing. There was no sign that publishing was was getting weak at all. It was the opposite. So it took a tremendous amount of courage. I, I think you saw an amazing opportunity and then you pivoted into your own action. And I know I know you've been wanting to do your own thing for quite a while, but I'm glad you mentioned it. You uh, you COVID, the demise of the theater business had nothing to do at all with your exits. Kind of my point. That thing was climbing. In fact, it, and you and you uh, you were leaving on a high. I mean, let's face it. NCMI had its uh, some of its highest market cap its sales were approaching you know a half a billion in sales last year so geez i mean you were really really hitting it hard and you just picked the perfect time to depart and i'm 
very impressed and frankly very proud of you that you went back to them and say, I can't leave now. It would have been real easy to walk out with the heavy lift that the, the theater would have or this business would have. But I'm very impressed that you, you, you went back to them and said, no, I'm going to stick this out and help with the, the transition. Good on you, my friend. If you, if you truly believe in teamwork, if you truly believe that your role as a manager is to keep that team coordinated and keep them excited and keep them feeling good about each other and about you, how could you possibly leave the trenches when time gets, gets tough? It's just, it, it, you just can't do it. And that's I, think, why, I don't think any good manager would be able to do that. Well, and that's why you're so uh, successful, and that's why your team respects you the way they do. So let's go ahead, this new thing, this new love, this, this, uh, this media mogul opportunity that you're creating, I actually, media matchmaking I love. Let's talk about KPI's mission and where that uh, got formed uh, and, and why now is the right time. Yeah, you bet. The, the thing I was noticing over the last uh, five, six years uh, in my last role is that the ad agency world has gotten, um, it's gotten very bloated. And as agencies get bigger and buy more and more agencies and all part of holding companies, clients would often express over a lunch or over a beer after work, boy, I just don't feel like I can get, get my hands really into a cool project or something unique. Everything's feeling cookie cutter. Everything feels massively overproduced, too much red tape. And it seemed to me that there was a longing to get back to almost what we used to call a boutique agency. Somebody that came in with extremely high caliber people uh, and, and great partners and great ideas, innovative ideas, and then tailor them, truly looked at your brand's KPIs and tailored them to make them custom made. I often say, like, well, I would like this business to feel like the first time you had a custom suit made for yourself, where you, you walk out and you say, like, that's exactly what I needed because we think, we hear, we understand, we come up with a great uh, program, a great concept for you. So that's the, the KPI name was, was very, very um, deliberate in terms of wanting to create things that really address what that brand needs in a very small, hands-on kind of way. Well, that's exciting. And, and is KPI officially kicked off now? Officially kicked off, absolutely. First two partners on board and actively involved in both uh, the music space and the esports space, which is just growing like crazy. You know, for, you know, for the older listeners out there, can you talk a little about what esports is? Because some people don't know. <laughs> You bet. So, so a lot of people know about e-gaming, which is certainly uh, playing games uh, with other people on the web. So it's a typical video game, but you're able to play with people across the country and across the world. Esports is uh, is taking e-gaming and turning it into realistic tournaments, where you have the best best players uh, in a couple of different video game categories, and they will sit in an auditorium that holds twenty thousand people, and that room would be filled with fans, and they will just watch the experts play each other. There are many channels that are being developed now on the web around esports, and there are influencers talking about esports. But brands don't know how to get into it, and yet they know it is ripe with young male audiences who don't watch TV and are super hard to reach everywhere else. So it's fascinating. It really is fascinating, and, I, and that's what I love about your career path. It just always seems to be a step in the direction of what's cool, fun, and exciting. Um, and, you know, even your own children think you're cool, which I think, you know, I think everything about your daughters is amazing, but you definitely aren't that cool. <laughs> as long as you don't tell them, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God this isn't broadcasted at all. So, listen, have you made this is the buyer bail decision we discussed a lot of your pivots but is there any buy decisions or bail decisions that you just maybe didn't work out the way you thought they might when you made the decisions no there have been three chapters um 
there's a mini one. So within the publishing time, the time I was in publishing, I was at Gourmet and, and it was a great run. And I saw an opportunity to take a much higher role at a magazine called Men's Fitness, uh, which is owned by Weeder, who does a lot of big muscle magazines. That was a uh, that was a, that was the wrong move. The, the company just wasn't at the level of where I was trying to go and the advertisers that I had great relationships with. So I immediately pivoted and went over to Men's Journal, part of Wenner, um, and then became the publisher there, and, and that was the game changer. So I'd say that, that was the hiccup in an otherwise um, a very blessed one. So but what a huge lesson, because I, I sometimes think people get on a path, right? And they think, well, I got to stay on that path. I made this decision. But sometimes the biggest mistake we can make in our decision making is not identifying the decision we make was wrong and, and cut, too long. cut through, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so good on you for that. Another learning uh, experience for you. And believe it or not, we just ripped through another segment. This is going to conclude Brist uh, Buyer Bail. And we're going to be right, right back with the public market segment, Brisk Bulls and Bears. I'll be back with Dave Kupek, media mogul with KPI.